Welcome and thanks for listening to the Spirit of Time podcast. It's a spirited discussion of watch topics and some of the cool bon vivant stuff that overlaps our hobby, especially fine spirits, craft beer, cocktails, and wine. In other words, if it's boozy, smoky, sudsy, or smooth, we'll probably talk about it. Think of it as a watch-focused happy hour for your commute. We are your hosts. I am Matt. I'm Greg. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Yeah, let's just uh, see how this goes, man. What do you think? We've got uh, maybe some additional background noise. I think that the house next door is still under construction because they only work at night when we record. <laughs> I think that's right. You know, for anybody that knows me, like, actually personally, the, the house next door is a, quite a, a story. <laughs> I mean, like, a several years saga. So the fact that this is still going on is actually kind of amusing because now it's, it's infiltrated our, my podcast, our podcast life. Uh, but yeah, we're here and they're working, but we're uh, we're not. We're drinking. Yeah, well, I mean, worse comes to worse. I'll I'll take more kind of bed fill sounds of you know birds chirping and freeway noise and music. And if I have like four different edited beds underneath this, we maybe people won't notice as much. I'll we'll ask we'll ask Rick if he thinks we're on a hot air balloon again from a blog to watch. I know, right? Right? That was funny. James Stacy, eat your heart out. I understand. You know. You, yeah, you on your 200th episode, you guys talked about how hard it was to deal with the uh, the construction at the house. So, well, we're, you know, we're we're just following in a long lineage here. <laughs> yep. Well, I guess the uh, you know not to bury the lead, but we're recording together live again. Um, we've got early evening. I'm about to head off on a vacation, That's right. um, or a vacation, basically a glorified long weekend. But I need it, and we wanted to squeeze in a recording here. We just dropped. Um, a really, I think, a very cool episode for us with uh, RJ Kama, RJ and, Super Doc. Yep, Super Doc. I'm. Oh, I always want to say Kamatovic, but I think it's Kamatovic. Kamatovic. I think you nailed it when we did our, our sort of like prep work with him before we hit record, and then after that, I feel like you've been like vacillating between the two. <laughs> there's there's like four pronunciations. I'll. Every fourth time I say his name, I'll hit it. Doc, like we hope batting, you're well. If you're batting 250, I mean that's not going to put you in the hall. Uh, you know, in the Hall of Fame, but I, I, you can carve out a career doing that. Absolutely. Yep, but it was a fun episode. Um, seems like we've, we're getting good feedback on that right now, and it's uh, it's fun. There's stuff to talk about. This is basically a catch-up episode. We have a few things to just kind of riff on and talk about. Yeah, yeah. Um, some new stuff, you know, some things that we've been going on throughout the last couple of weeks and you know, sort of watch and watch media and virology world and yeah, just a couple things to kind of catch up on. We did something similar last year. I remember I had gone away, and I guess, it, you know, it was really in the throes of COVID, but I remember we came back and we wanted to just talk about, you know, a summer catch-up. In some yep. ways, this sort of feels like that. Yeah, exactly right. I think you went to Santorini. We did, yeah. And yeah, I wish I was there again right now. Yeah, I would take that. It feels kind of like we are now in terms of the, the summer heat and all that stuff. But. It does, it does. And, you, you know, you joke with people, you know, sometimes Southern California gives a little bit of a Mediterranean vibe in terms of its geography and, you know, climate and sometimes. So, um, but yeah, no, we're, we're, we're not quite in in the Greek islands right now, but this will do. Yeah, this will do. Well, hey, man, why don't we do this just because it is uh, it is still fairly warm out and we're enjoying a good uh, a good beverage. Why don't you tell me what do we have in the glass here? Uh, so you were you actually, uh, as as you are wont to do, cruised up with uh, a couple goodies, and we're drinking right now Smog City, which is out of Torrance. Is that right, Torrance, California? I believe so. Yeah. 
Smog City. Um, this is the Dust Devil Hazy IPA. And um, this is, I mean, this is everything you'd expect from a hazy IPA. You know, you've got that sort of opacity, uh, beautiful straw kind of golden color. It's, uh, it's definitely hoppy. It's not a hop bomb, in my opinion. Right? No, you know, not at all. Nice. IBU is low, that kind of characteristic of a hazy. It's yeah. not uh, It's not super, super hoppy. Six and a half percent, you know, so this will do you good, but you could probably crush a few of these without having to be too concerned about what your station was. Yeah, I think that's right. And this is, uh, I don't know, this is kind of cool to have a, a good SoCal beer. I really like Smog City, and we need to go record. They have a an actual like dedicated tasting room in Glendora, right. which is not too far from us here in San Gabriel Valley. That's very doable. And that would be really cool. It's kind of one of these, um, I want to say this is called the, you know, Glendora market, or I, I don't know what the place is called, but it's in any kind of urban area, you've seen this phenomenon emerge in the recent years where there'll be some old, fairly large, maybe warehouse space that gets repurposed so that there's a bunch of sort of kiosks or, or stalls or, you know, sub businesses, but it's basically glorified adult food court that you go to. And, uh, you know, there are places pouring wine and maybe, you know, some micro brews and very bon vivant, very bon vivant. <laughs> and, you know, it's, you expect to see that in places like in LA, yeah. um, but in, in Glendora, California, you know, which is a sleepy little town. If you're yeah. not familiar. Yeah. That's, it's very a, cute, very quaint. Yep, Sleepy. it's a fun thing to add. So we have to go check that out sometime. Um, but they've got great, great beer, very good IPAs. I'm not a huge IPA guy. I'm like I a, am. a one or two and done yeah. for a, you know a session. But this kind of splits the difference, and I like it. And obviously, we're drinking. We're both drinking the same thing, so I don't have to do a pour check. What is on your wrist? I was joking on the on the thread with the uh, the, the watch tripod uh, conglomerate um, consortium. <laughs> Yeah, whatever it is, the the, the crotch pod alliance, <laughs> particularly uh, wrist cheese. When they uh, when they put their, mon their their Monday episode out this week, I, I mentioned I, I was sitting at the at the dresser, and I had my this is what I have on right now this Mr. Jones um, Last Laugh Tattoo Edition. So there's a two two or three different of these Last Laughs. This is the one that looks sort of like a Dia de los Muertos sort of like tattoo style graphic on the dial. Yep. The, uh, it's like the sugar skull kind of thing. Sugar skulls. And I, I swear to you, I don't wear it often. It's a, it's sort of a, an interesting piece to wear, right? It's kind of, and so, but I grabbed it and I, I, I just about strapped it on. And for some reason, something called me and I put on, I think, you know, 16710 GMT Master 2. And, uh, but it was funny because I hadn't really considered wearing this in just weeks or months even. And lo and behold, you know, the, the you know, Bro and Schmidt are, are talking about Mr. Jones and sort of, you know, joshing a little bit about how it's been getting some shine after they had mentioned it, you know, a couple episodes back and a few more outlets were celebrating. It is their 15th anniversary, I think, as a company or a brand. So, uh, but anyway, I just I was joking with, with, the, with, with those guys at Rich Cheese that, uh, that I should have put it on and they had incepted me maybe while I was sleeping before the, uh, the Monday commute when I had a chance to actually hear them. So I put it on today instead. Yeah, it looks really cool, especially on that sort of, that's a, I guess, a Milanese-adjacent um, band or strap. Is that from an Apple Watch? Did you pirate that? No, it's actually off of the Mr. Jones stuff, too. It's their, like, their OEM um, kind of mesh uh, bracelet. And, because uh, at first I was like, maybe I should source one from somewhere. 
and and I just went to their site too, and, and theirs was you know very reasonably priced, and I'm like, well, you should just get the one that matches, and uh, it's just a nice kind of smart look to it. It came on a nice leather, uh, but the it's too long for my wrist, so it ends up with too much overhang, too much of a tail. I could see that. Yeah, yeah, and it's got some like turquoise stitching, which plays nicely off the dial colors, but. Um, not it's a little more of a specific look where this is sort of just everything's black the case is black it's polished black i really i really like the way they executed this it's kind of like a jumping hour thing but i would i think they could probably come back to this exact design and do it again in different ways like incorporating the eye or the the skull aperture like between the eyes on the forehead it's really cool again it's um you know very stylized like mexican latin american um, you know, that whole Dio de los Muertos kind of, uh, I don't even know what that art style would be called, but yeah. you know, you'd see parts of it in the Caribbean, but with like the top hat, yeah. you know, for the, uh, I don't know how they pronounce it, the Loa, Loa, um, but you know, the, the, the spirits. Kind in of, Spanish, I think, yeah. you know, at least in Mexico, they would just call it a calaveras. Yeah. You know, a skull, a sugar, you know, a sugar skull. Yeah, that is, it's super, super cool. I like it. It's fun. People always, whenever, whenever I post it, which isn't often, people always say something about it. Yeah, it's, that's a tequila watch, man. It is. Or a Mexican beer watch. All of the above. Yep. Right on. Well, for me, uh, I have the, this is, um, this thing is a mouthful. This is the Omega Speedmaster Professional. This is the, um, the reference 145 decimal, and you, we say decimal, not point. Decimal 022 decimal 071 or 71. Uh, but yeah, this is sort of the, uh, my, my old vintage, you know, Plexi Speedmaster. I've got this on, um, the aftermarket sort of, you know, president style bracelet. Uh, this is basically the, um, oh, come on. Uh, the Forstner. Forstner, yeah. Yeah. And I, I wanted to call it by its, its sort of technical name, but I just, I'm, that's dropping out of my head right now, having a senior moment. But yeah, this is a, a super comfortable bracelet. I absolutely recommend this. So I have the original bracelet and it's really cool on this, but it is a little tight. There's no room to adjust this thing. I have no spare links. It is the original. And it's that, that old kind of stamped sheet metal, yep. you know, probably not particularly high quality. And I feel like, you know, if I really flex my wrist, I'm popping that sucker and there is no replacing it. It's, uh, so it's, it's, you know, it's not literally priceless, but it goes with the watch. So that is off of the watch and is resting comfortably in a drawer somewhere safe. This is on here. It's got the same look. The only thing that's a drag about this bracelet, Greg, is the, um, while it is an upgrade to the OEM, like the original, you know, 50-year-old bracelet, it does have screws, which are great. The screws are seated ridiculously tight. Oh, okay. So um, it got to the point where I just hit a... I, on one side, no problem. Everything came out fine. And on the other side, like I was going to strip everything, you know, completely bare. I took it to a watchmaker and he, he called and laughed and he was like, what the F did they do to this thing? <laughs> like, he, I think he had to bake it, you know, to like change the temperature enough to, you know, I'm, I'm sort of joking, but like, yeah. that's what I did. Literally. I did was we like, hear Buzzy complaining about the same thing. Yeah. His, yeah. His... I think so. Okay. I think so. And that does seem to be common. I've, I've had right. feedback from at least one other person. Maybe, I think maybe Tommy from the land jam podcast complained to the same thing. Sorry, Tommy, if I'm pushing you under the bus that maybe that wasn't you, but I think it was you. Um, on the other hand though, once it is on, 
the watch. It is very much worth it. It is a, um, it's just a cool unit and it stays kind of true to the original. It's not fancy and it's, it's priced accordingly, but there is a ton of micro adjust yeah, in the holes. You got a lot to play with there. Yeah. So that's really, I think what makes it worth it. And then the fact that you can kind of see through it so well gives you a sense that, you know, with being so well-rounded and having some space, it, it breathes well on the wrist. So like on a hot kind of sultry day, like today, you just throw this on and I don't really care about how I'm sweating on it. Who cares? So anyhow. I think that's a good move. It's, you're saving a little bit of wear and tear on the original bracelet, you know, yep. and uh, and you're still getting the look and feel that you're pretty much going for, you know, and so I think that's the way to go. Yeah, totally. Well, dude, what do you want to talk about, man? We're just kind of well, catching new? up what's today. What's new around the world, you know, around in your in your watch world? I think, um, you know, I, I think I mentioned this to you kind of off air or whatever, but I had a chance to really spend some time with some of the Deluxe straps. Yeah. Now, those are a brand of straps I think that a lot of people know. I just hadn't had a chance to strap it on, quite front, you know, quite literally. Um, really impressed. Very, very impressed with sort of the whole experience. You know, Ken, I think, is a proprietor that a lot of people know in terms of communication, you know, getting things out quickly, sort of the follow-up, but then, you know, actually strap in hand, quality of leather, you know, uh, um, kind of look, style, feel. I mean, I, I understand why people love those straps. So we talked to Jimmy. Jimmy was episode three. Yep. He had a, I remember. One of his, he said Delugs on everything. And, and I was like, okay, okay, okay. Pay attention to that. He was right. They're really good. They're really good, Matt. So I don't know if I told you this, but I actually got some experience under my belt with the lugs recently too. My wife, her daily driver for work is a, uh, a Jungens. She has a, a quartz Jungens. It's like this kind of perfect, um, you know, max bill style. And it's just, you know, the three hander she, but she needs, you know, a prominent second hand and a date. And this thing's like 34 millimeters. So it's an odd size. It's like 16, I think for the strap. It is an odd size. Yeah, yeah, so it's it's fairly small for us for the for the watch community. Yeah, so it it wasn't easy to find anything locally. So I figured, you know what, I'm going to give Delug a try. Um, ordered them. The quality of the strap is outstanding. The price was very fair. Shipping because I I want to say, and I'm I'm going to feel like an idiot if I get this wrong. This is coming from Singapore, right? Yeah, I didn't yeah. realize that either. At first. Yeah, it was quick. Very fast. Yeah, it was like two days to turn the order, and I had it within a week after I was that. Gonna say, I had it within a business week, I think. Yeah. So five to six days for sure. Yep. Um, Very no, impressive. No issues whatsoever. Communication was excellent with the lugs, and this was what was funny. I got the out for delivery thing in the email, and I'm like, yes, this is great. I'm so stoked. My wife's going to be happy with getting a new strap on, and it's just, it's this cool kind of moss green looks really good with like the kind of the white off white it's like an eggshell white oh, dial yeah um and i had this moment of like oh shit i don't have any 16 millimeter spring bars because what's it on right now it's it's on just the it's on an oem leather strap but quick that release. that has a quick release yeah I know. so i'm okay. like what am i gonna do <laughs> dude the strap showed up with quick release that's right. It. Yeah, all the Delugs are yep. quick release. I right. did not know that. Yeah. So um, I was that was a pleasant surprise, and we That's are we are not sponsored by Delugs no, or anything like that. Paid, but we yep. both paid for all this, but they were yeah. They were I I was so stoked to open the package and see that I was oh. like jackpot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, that's going to save a, uh, you know, having to buy like a, a bag of 116 millimeter yeah, spring bars fish, or fishing, something. A fishing uh, uh, tackle box full of spring bars, right? Right, right. And I have basically everything except 16. Because you don't, yeah. Yeah, what are you going to do? But um, 
anyway, the, the strap is on the watch, fits perfectly. It looks really good. Like it, it makes that watch so good. Like I, I look at my wife's watch and I'm like, if that was two millimeters bigger, I would wear that every day. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. Yeah. It's super thin. So like it's genuinely small, even on my wrist and I don't have a big wrist, but, um, that strap in this case absolutely makes it a great package. I, so. I definitely agree. I, all the all the positive kind of you know reviews out there you've seen or feedback is is very warranted. Hey, speaking of positive reviews, this is not new to me, but this is new to you. I'm going to leave this with you for a week or two to take pictures of. What do you think of this? This is the SSK005, the orange Seiko 5KX GMT. What are your what are your thoughts? I'm really digging it. You know, I. I I had a sense that I would. I mean, we, we we saw a preview of this before or as it was being announced. I think we got a little tip off. Yeah. Um, and it was automatically peaked, you know, the sort of, you know, your and my interest and a few other folks that were on threads with or whatever. Yep. And uh, so there was a high probability that this one was going to was gonna hit the target. Um, but this is the first time seeing it now after hearing a few people talk about it, yourself included. And it's really good. It's, it's, it's actually better than, he, than I probably expected. Um, you know, the bracelet is good. It's actually just really, really solid. Um, it's really handsome. Um, I can imagine taking this thing off of the bracelet constantly, but it's really nice on the bracelet. This bezel we are talking about is this bicolor. And for the longest time, at least for the first few weeks that this, this, so this is the orange, the orange dial variant. Right. For the first few weeks, all I saw was black bezel because it was hard for folks, I think, to really capture that bicolor. And, uh, and finally, you know, our friend uh, uh, Ryan, R. McCullough, he finally put up some photos and I was like, oh, okay, and now that's really cool. And now I get to see it in person, you understand how the light plays with it. It's just really neat. It's just really neat. And you get very clearly a bicolor bezel on here, um, which you can't really pick up in a lot of people's photographs, in my opinion. Yeah. So, you know, for people, if you're of a certain age, you'll remember this, you know, when you're a kid, you'd see like stickers or certain kind of graphic images where there's like a, uh, you know, almost like a holographic kind of two-dimension or three-dimensionality to it where if you're looking at an image straight on you see one thing and when you turn it ever so slightly the image changes or there's some movement incorporated to it and that's basically what you have here so the the six o'clock half of the bezel has this sort of underlying lighter color where it looks almost gray if you look at it at a uh, at a different angle and that's it's exactly right. it's super cool i think you were you you probably one of the very first people I saw put actually some thoughts up on, on, on your post. And I think you were pointing out the sort of dial color, the orange they're using is probably, isn't quite what you would expect off of like a, you know, an older Seiko. So that you clearly like articulated that there's like a little bit of a metallic finish to it, yep. slightly different color, but, um, but it's still very, very much what I think you would hope for. I, yeah, I think so. You know, if you, if you think it's going to be a one-to-one for the old Seiko, like SKXs or the, the Doxa, you know, divers that have the uh, the orange dial, where it's kind of a flat. It's a bright color, but it's you know, it's a flat matte finish. This definitely has that, you know, kind of a, a metallic sheen, but it's not overpowering by any means. You know, it's a little bit more. I think the word I use is like a tangerine color, yeah. and yeah, it's cool. So I'm going to leave it with you. Um, let you wear this for a week or two, get some impressions, maybe take some pictures with tequila and whatnot. We're going to throw it up on the site. We've been, you know, if people have had a chance to jump on the site. We've been trying to put up some longer form stuff that doesn't fit on the podcast medium. Yeah. You know, drink recipes or, you know, if we have a chance to have a, a you know, something in, in, in hand for a week or two, a review, if you want to call it that or whatever. Just, uh, anyway, just another way for us to kind of put material out there that's not exactly suitable, you know, for a, 
you know, podcast format. Spiritoftime.co. Yeah, if you haven't taken a look at that, by the way, that is the thing to look at. Um, hey, before, you know, we're kind of, you mentioned uh, Ryan McCullough, R. McCullough taking pictures. Um, I just want to say a quick shout out and thank you to Kill Hubris. Um, I don't talk about it very much, but uh, I, I, basically, I did have a cache of watches stolen, um, which is a bummer. And, uh, you know, um, one of my no longer available Kill Hubris straps was in that collection, you know. I, I had an SKX on it, of all things. And um, he was kind enough. He had exactly one strap left. And I asked, hey, can I buy this strap from you? I know you don't feature it anymore. Do you have any, like, laying around? I'll even just Venmo you the money. Dude sent me the strap and a couple others and a couple strickers gratis. So, Kill Hubris, thank you very much. That's cool. That is, like, that's real kind of the uh, the Watch Ohana, Ohanaverse. Um, I don't I don't know what the word is, but that's, like, super, super cool. I appreciate it. So, I just got that stuff and. Um, I'll be very happy to post some pictures. I think people recently have been spammed seeing my white dial date just on his camouflage strap, which is so cool. Yeah, so I'll I'll have to put that. that it was a 22 millimeter, which was what was stolen. So and that was the one he sent me. So that's perfect, along with a few others. So Man, that's really that's, cool. That's incredible. That's a, a big shout out to a, a pretty cool, pretty pretty cool person and an even even better gesture, really. Yeah, yeah, and a good brand, by the way. I yeah. mean, if you're if you're Looking for something like that, I can absolutely uh, vouch for Kill Hubris as a brand. Yeah. Anyway, what's new with you, man? Uh, you know, we've been doing a little bit of local traveling. Nothing uh, out of the, you know, completely out of the, um, you know, state. Um, I think when we recorded maybe an episode or two, two episodes ago, we were, it was sort of like previewing, or, oh, we're going out of town. And so we went up to Tahoe National Forest. Yep. Uh, took the kids. We were doing some legitimate tent camping with um, three and six year old. Um, but the good news is there was also a bunch of other families, and so the kids really kept each other busy. That's right. How did that go? It was uh, it was awesome, man. It was a lot of fun. Um, the weather was really odd. Did you get rain? No, but it did not exceed seventy five degrees. Okay. And in fact, several most of the days were basically hovering in the sixties. And when it was overcast, I mean, it was it was cool. It was not warm, um, but you know, coming from where you know where we are down here in Southern California, in some ways that's pretty refreshing. But the group was a little disappointed because we were riverfront, and they were really anticipating and hoping to spend basically the entire time in their swimsuits in the river. And we got a little bit of that, especially towards the end and, and one of the you know the last few days. But um, it was great. Kids did awesome. The car ride was not you know was not uh, uh, it was tolerable. <laughs> for you know seven and a half hours or so eight hours um but we just had a lot of fun um took a bunch of pictures i'll post them up and uh you know it was, it was cool it was good to know that the kids can do it now and you know it doesn't have yep. to always be a seven or eight hour car ride we can you know there's places that are much closer than that and then so we're just going to continue i think with that that tradition and um you know and then yeah and then we actually were out in the hot springs um down here and uh have you ever been in the hot springs before i have not i hadn't either and have some friends, or oh, you have to soak in the springs. Okay, well, yeah, cool, sounds fun, or whatever. I like in a jacuzzi, I guess, in my head, you know, a jetted tub, and you're thinking, okay, maybe I probably know what that is. I don't know what it is, and I'm, I'm sure someone listening is going to be like, yep, I, I could have told you this. The mineral water 
that comes out of those springs naturally at whatever 96 degrees or whatever you know it is has this like almost medicinal like therapeutic yeah impact on your body as you're soaking in these tubs huh it is incredible it's just it's it's i can see why some people really are, are keen on it and um, in this resort we went to, had it fed into a number of tubs that were around the property. And then in the room, certain rooms had actually uh, hot spring water tubs as well. So you could crank, crank that on in the room. Sweet. Very cool. And then, you know, a number of saunas and, and sort of, you know, Himalayan salt rooms. Just all this kind of, you know, relaxation kind of, you know, therapeutic kind of body, mind relaxation thing. Uh, anyway, highly recommend hot springs. I think you would really enjoy it as a very chill, relaxed, kind of like reset kind of weekend do they have like a uh, tortilla chips guacamole and cerveza room they did not they were mostly they were trying to be on the healthy side so there was a lot of like you know wraps and hummuses and sort of not vegetarian strictly but a lot of vegetarian options um so you know but of course we brought you know our own stash of stuff yeah i probably would do the same right yeah. on so you you're about to head out and do some outdoor stuff yeah, we're headed to Mammoth. Um, if you've never done, I mean, Mammoth is one of these places, kind of like Vail. I mean, it's 99% of what it's known for is winter sports. If you ever have an opportunity to go there in the summer, I really recommend it. There's a lot of great outdoor hiking, you know, sightseeing. Um, we've got kayaks rented, we do that kind of thing. And it's, uh, it's just a completely different look and feel. It's generally quite a bit cheaper. It's off, you know, it's off season. Uh, huge, huge, huge for mic- mountain biking, especially downhill biking and like huck bike kind of stuff. Um, that's my jam, but the rest of my family is not into that. So, you know, we, we probably won't do that on this trip, but that's a lot of fun. That's pretty cool. And speaking, I don't know why this makes me think of, I think of Mammoth. This is my train of thought. Okay. Mammoth, Owens Valley, Death Valley, Panamint Springs, Star Wars Canyon, F-18s, back to that GMT watch. So this is a shout out to a young guy who uh, follows our feed and I think listens to the podcast, a young dude, I, I won't say his real name, but Craig's Lisp. It's all one word, Craig's Lisp, like instead of Craig's List, presumably. Um, but uh, a young dude, I think this guy's probably a relatively new lieutenant flying um, the E-18 Growlers doing the Lord's work uh, in the U.S. Navy. And he had a lot of questions about this watch. He's like, hey, how suitable is this watch? Explain to me the different types of GMT function, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Brother, I hope you bought this Seiko by now. Um, If you can't get it, I know I won't say where you're off doing your thing, but, you know, he's off doing his thing, you know, for uh, for Uncle Sam and for freedom and all that stuff. Um, I hope you have managed to get one of these watches by now. I think it would be perfect for you. Anyway. That's because uh, you'll see F-18s as you go up to yeah. up to Mammoth. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that trip. Um, haven't done anything in a while. Feels like I haven't gotten out of Dodge in a minute. Yeah. And I'm really looking to see a, a different set of four walls and or more tr- different trees and, and all that. Yeah, you could use it. You know, I think uh, that you're very much in your element there. You know, I haven't been to Mammoth except in the winter. But the exact feeling you're describing is how I felt about Tahoe the first time I went to Tahoe in the summer. Yep. Because it had just been winter, winter, winter. And then you saw, all of a sudden you got to top in the summer, just like you get to Mammoth in, in the summer. And you're like, oh, my God, this is magical. Like, this is this is the spot, you know? Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's going to be 20 degrees cooler there. Yeah. It's at about 8,000 feet. I think the only thing we're worried about is, you know, if my wife's, like, shampoo and conditioner is going to explode from the 
reduced uh, you know pressure yeah. going up the hill. Um, it is funny when you get up there, if you've ever been up there, like you go to the grocery store and things, anything that's in a sealed bag or container is like max puffed out because <laughs> yeah. there's just, you know, there's basically whatever you figure, you know, at 15 pounds, I think, you know, per square inch, there's so much less pressure at 8,000 feet. When you go to the brewery there, there's, cause there's a good, uh, actually that was, I didn't bring it in, but I have the, you know, Mammoth Brewing yeah. Company is in, in my car. When you go there, they have a big sign that's like, you are at 8,000 feet. Drink accordingly. Like, this, it's going to hit you a little harder. Yeah. You know, you, you may think you're a big man at the tasting room. Take it easy. So, and we'll hit that place, too. There's, a, you know, good brew operation there in Mammoth. Um, anyhow, that's that. I, um, I do have a question for you, just, you know, because we can small talk on stuff like this. And I'd like to get a little bit more into watch stuff. Did you see that? They always say, right, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. <laughs> I think I know where a, you're going. a week or two weeks ago, there was this amazing uh, kind of a, a red burgundy dial Tag Heuer mm-hmm. Carrera mm-hmm. LE. Mm-hmm. And I've heard a lot of people lament the fact that you can't get that watch in anything other than an LE format. And it would be instantly their bestseller Halo watch if they made it their regular production watch. And especially if they ditch the tag branding, I don't. I don't care about the tag branding; it's fine. But if if they just put that in the catalog, that thing would sell like hotcakes all day long. And they did this awesome LE last week. Did you see it? Six hundred or so. Yeah. Yeah, I did. It's beautiful. Did you see what they dropped today? Uh, I did because you sent it to me. <laughs> it's I threw not beautiful. I threw up in my mouth a little bit. I know. I know. There's a lot of car people that are going to be like, no, you you. Nobody can speak ill of anything with, you know, roof or what have you. It might also be limited edition. It, it is. I'm sure it is. <laughs> but it is like, you know, uh, Tag Heuer X Bamford X High Snobiety? What? X Roof? I'm like, oh, come on. You, could, you couldn't fit Nabisco on the dial or, you know, uh, it's not also a Tiffany co-brand. <laughs> S.D. Johnson Wax or <laughs> who's some of those conglomerates that literally own it? Yeah, yeah, Unilever. Unilever. Yeah. They own shampoos and like yeah. sodas, right? Bam- Bamford, X Unilever, <laughs> LE. I'm like, this thing. Frito-Lays, Pepsi, right? Don't they literally anyway? Yeah, it's, to me, this thing is a soup sandwich. I don't understand it. I don't understand what, I'm sorry, and I, I will raise my hand and fully admit that probably wrongly, I am deeply biased against anything that's associated with high snobiety. It just bugs me, but um, yeah, the the watch is like, ugh, why? It, it, it's it's it, it just kind of reeks of you know. Let's throw a bunch of what we think is cool shit, you know, against the watch. See what sticks, and assume people will sort of go crazy over it because they're you know perceived value brands or perceived luxury brands who's who's the audience for this we so we went up and we would probably debrief this anyway we met um that's a good segue actually. yeah we we met james stacy and cole pennington up at um uh, newcomb ranch about yep. a week and a half ago Angeles crest highway yep and you know this was basically the breakfast club car gathering and i mean i'm guessing that there's some subset of that population that's maybe you know trust fund bro um 
you know, uh, crypto, you know, uh, a tycoon or something that might have one foot in, in like 9-11, deep 9-11 enthusiasm and high snobiety. Street kind of hype wear stuff. Yeah, right. I, I, I don't, that's Seems like a small sliver. It's, yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'll be proven wrong because they'll sell every one of these, but they're not making a lot of them. So that, that always, it goes without saying they're going to sell all of them. I was going to say, I, I, there's been a few releases lately, so in a couple in particular, limited edition, whatever, and I think some of them you and I talked about offline were, you know, really nice, but maybe just not our particular taste. Yep. But we said immediately to the other, well, it's going to sell out, right? And we, we felt pretty confident. I'm not confident they'll sell this one out. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, Bamford, it seems... I don't know how many there are. Do you know how many there are? I I did not see the number. Bamford seems like it's a pinata for some people, and some people love them. I personally think a lot of what they do are really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's been very busy lately. It seems like it. You've got the the G-Shock, Bremont. Bremont. Yeah. I mean, um, he's always busy, obviously, but I mean, a lot of high-profile collabs yeah. in the last, what, four to six months? Yeah. So, I mean, um, you know, more power to him, but this one is just one of those where I'm like, huh? And the Bamford piece to me is, doesn't, that, that doesn't bother me, or that doesn't uh But it doesn't make even me... reek, it doesn't even reek of a Bamford piece, does it? Like, no, it doesn't give it, you the, no. the, 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 what you would expect, like the blue tone that you always get out of Bamford, the, the dark kind of, you know, uh, um, you know, black on black on black. It doesn't have any Bamford tones yeah there's nothing about that 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 reeks of it reeks is the wrong word there's no obvious bamford dna to me no um i don't get it and i love that watch and i you know i have a soft spot for tag heuer um that model watch would be great in their lineup i do wish that they would you know kind of just decide to come out with it and do some fun things with it but this one i i don't know but anyway I am curious to see, on a slightly different but related note, what is going to happen. We we got a, a bit of a look, and I think you got to actually spend some time in front of the camera with them, right, up at uh, at the Breakfast Club? I did, and one final note to give our buddies a shout-out. I, I imagine nobody thinks this is going to end up on the Mount Rushmore of chronographs. I don't think this is going to end up, no. <laughs> okay, okay. No, I... I um, I do think if you like it, rock it, enjoy it. Yeah, the wrist cheese guys did call out that that model, but not that watch. That's for sure. I don't think they're going to be fans either. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, no. You know, it was it was really fun. You and I had a got a last second sort of notification. Uh, Actually, shout out to Nick DC Vintage Watches. Yeah, former guest Uh, on this pod. Other friends out of time, Josh and Summer. Yep. And sort of was made clear to us on a Thursday evening. That the that the guys you know um, from Hodinky, uh, uh, Cole and, and James were going to be stopping by the regularly scheduled Good Vibes Breakfast Club, which is every Friday. Yep. Uh, up at like you said, up on the Angeles Crest Highway at a, at a kind of a shuttered down restaurant called Newcomb's Ranch. And you and I were both like, oh, it's not really great timing. This is very short notice, but this sounds like a pretty fun and unique way to go say hi to the you know some friends see some watch folks and and just kind of and it was something actually i had been wanting to do for you know several months and just hadn't found just hadn't committed myself to driving up there and it's not far for us 
Right. It's not close, but it's not terribly far. Yeah, I was working right at the bottom of the hill. It was close for me. Just a quick up and back. Quick up and back. And so he, you and I literally were ships in the night. I think I pulled in and you had been there for 15 or 20 minutes and you had, you know, you didn't have a lot of time. So you basically had to pull out. Yep. I did air traffic control so you could navigate out of Thank the you for that, lot. by the way. I probably would have been there for three hours had you not gotten me out right then. It's what co-hosts do for each other. Thank you. And, um, but yeah, no, it was super cool. I was glad to have attended just the Good Vibes, you know, breakfast club in general. It was just a really cool eclectic mix of people, cars, um, enthusiasts. Um, there was probably, I shouldn't say probably, that's the first time I've ever been, potentially maybe a few more sort of watch stragglers who straddle the watch slash, you know, yeah. kind of car uh, genre or, or, or kind of enthusiast uh, Venn diagram. But um, it was really neat. And if I don't end up on the, on the you know, um, editing room floor, then maybe whatever project those guys were working on, I might have a you know a small cameo in. We'll see. Yeah, James teased it on the Gray NATO about two weeks ago that it was going to be some fairly long you know or large scale project that they're working on. It sounded like they were out here for about a week up and down the coast. Yeah, I think on the last one, yeah, I agree. I think he, I think I heard him say eight days he was out in California. That's a that's a long haul for him, you know, especially where he's coming from. And so he um, sounded he sounded very busy. Yep. They told us a little bit about what they were up to, and we won't divulge any of it because I'm sure they're still trying to you know kind of keep it under wraps but uh when you never know busy. how it's going to all come together once it's all edited exactly. and cut and what's what stays what goes if I, i'll say one thing is like a little tease which i don't think is giving anything away but if i understood it correctly there was sort of at least for this portion i don't know if it's the whole you know kind of project but there was an interest in the intersection of, of sort of cars motorsport you know watches yeah it was part of at least you know a goal a goal i'm not saying it's the goal or the central theme but i think that was a goal of what they were hoping to uncover yeah. So that was a lot of fun. I'm glad we were able to get up there. Um, it was cool. I'm glad we did it. It was, nice a, it was a stretch, but it was, a, it was fun. Get a quick photo op with, uh, with Cole and James. We do hope to have James on the show. That would be sort of like the, the ultimate hat trick Pokemon, I think, as our friend Summer Eskimo would say. Yeah, we would have, you know, the great NATO catch them all kind of mentality. I mean, they're both great guys. We appreciate both of what they do. You, you know, you turned me on to them a long time ago, and you've been watch, listening to them for for quite a while they're just sort of i don't know bellwethers i suppose in the watch podcast and adjacent things yeah yeah totally well i think the one thing that the worst thing about going up there and seeing all that stuff up there was just it it about once a year i get that really ooh insatiable kind of wild hair to get like some kind of an old project car whether it's an old you know either a jdm car or an inexpensive you know, like a little uh, uh, hot hatch or something like that that's maybe a few years old and put a few bucks into. I'm I'm needing a new car in my household right now, and it's all I can do not to make a, a rash decision and get something that's <laughs> a little... around a bunch of car geeks a little yeah, amazing sports cars. A little and, more performance-oriented uh, and, and not, um, not practicality-oriented, which is what I actually need. You know, I've got, you know, a couple of uh, uh, late teens, you know, doing the whole starting-to-drive thing. And we'll see how that shapes up. But anyway, um, yeah, I think that kind of puts a, a bow on that piece. Yeah, is... and then we, we met some other good friends the other day. You and I both did. We had a chance to meet uh, Mike Heyman, Spirit of Time uh, alum. Yep. Uh, and a few of um, his his guys at uh, the Corona Group. And um, we were talking about a bunch of stuff. But in particular, we got a chance to see their new or soon-to-be-released uh, limited edition Nomos Club. That's the best looking. I, I like Nomos. Nomos is one of those brands where I really like what they do. There's not that many watches that I think are right for me, but that is the best looking Nomos 
I've ever seen. We talked about it. It was an early episode. We did a deep dive on Nomos. Yep. We highlighted some things that were super interesting to us. And I think someone could probably correct us because I'm sure they'll remember better than we do. But it was essentially the club was like the one that any of us could see on our wrist. And then uh, the GMT, the world time. The world time, yeah. Was like, and that's very cool too. But those two models, in terms of our personal taste, would probably would be the thing that would actually end up on our wrist. Uh, and so, you know, the Corner Group is, is, has put together this amazing, super handsome club. Um, and, and, you know, we'll post a picture with their permission. But um, it sounds like they're really pleased with it. Uh, the response has been robust. They're working through Bindi Jewelers, which is a big, a pretty big you know, yeah. jeweler and, and watch uh, outfit here in Southern California. Yeah, they're a big deal. Good partners to Corona Group. And, um, you know, we, he showed us renders early a couple, you know, a few weeks back before they formally announced it. And we were like, wow, this is good. In the metal, in the metal. In person, fantastic. It's, it's just as handsome as I thought it was. It's a really, it's a spectacular piece. Kudos to Chrono Group. You guys should be very proud of that. Yeah, I think the best thing about it, aesthetics aside, and then that, the fact that that club platform is like the most wearable, approachable, I think, of all the watches for, for most people. But they, um, they did not go with that alpha movement which is a fine movement that's yeah. perfectly fine and, and it's got some advantages it's going to be serviceable long term and all that stuff but they went with that neomatic automatic you know a um, little bit more like legit in-house flavor to that and it's a really cool looking movement and I I think you know kudos to them because this is not going to be as an LE watch that is for your to kind of commemorate your participation in a local watch group this is not really expensive for what you get. You know, I don't want to quote the price, but it's no, it's go, go, um, go, go check it out if you have really super yeah. interest in it. But you're right, and 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 Mike in the group was very adamant that this was not going to be, there was not going to be an upcharge, there was not going to be a sort of margin. Yep. For the group, they kept this thing all the way down where they could, and then actually, and then some, and we'll leave it at that. You can kind of figure it out if you're really super interested. But um, you know, Chrono Group on the dial. Yeah, you know, a navy. I, I guess maybe navy with gold. With you know. With yeah, it's, it's a. It's quite dark. Yeah. The, the blue. You know, it's almost like a really new, unwashed, dark denim blue. That's a nice description. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, that kind of that gold color. It's a great, great like accent piece in anyone's collection. It's super cool. I'll just put it out there. I think it's the most. I think it's the most handsome club that I've seen, and that's saying something because there's some very cool ones out there. Yeah. Yep, yep. They do a good job with their, their limited editions, and that is a nice-looking watch. You know, the super super long wingspan aside, um, it's probably the favorite, my overall favorite watch they make. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of uh, alums and kind of people out there doing big things, did you catch uh, Weiss offering a lifetime warranty now on all their watches moving forward? I did. That's I, a pretty cool big step, I think, for, for them and for Cameron. So that was one of the reasons that I... I purchased the watch that I did from them as like a, a long-term watch is the fact, and this kind of goes back because I think, I may be all wet here, um, but I think the movement architecture, the underpinnings of like the Alpha movement and the Weiss watch, you know, uh, hand-wound movement are very similar. I mean, I think that's, it's the same DNA. Um, I think Cam makes some of the parts for that movement, but the bottom line is that's going to be easily serviced, but the idea that you could have, you know, Weiss service this watch indefinitely is pretty cool. Um, 
I am looking at getting one of those agave dial watches. We'll see, you know, if that pans out. Um, but the other thing I think that's interesting, and I, I confess I probably shouldn't bring it up because I haven't explored it, but I got an email from them yesterday from Weiss saying that they're basically going into pre-owned. So I think he, he's taking his own watches back and and turning them. And to me, that's um, if you are interested in getting a Weiss watch and you just think like, okay, it's the prices aren't what they were, you know, five to ten years ago. Look into this pre-owned thing because it, it looks like you know that the reductions in price for some of these watches are pretty good. And I'm sure it's just you know a couple watches here and there as they come in. But to me, that's a, an attractive thing as well. It's, it just it adds to the value proposition for sure. Um, it adds to the sort of consumer experience. Let's not say consumer, I mean client experience. I think that's a different relationship, you know, when you're working with somebody like a Cameron, you know, or, a, or an independent brand like that, where there's obviously a more direct tie to the founder, creator, you know, proprietor, um, you know, the client experience. Yeah. Good. I think one of the things that really attracted me as, and I, I hesitate to call Weiss a micro brand. I mean, it's, I would say it's a small brand. Yeah. But um, versus other micro brands where you're talking to, when you're talking to a principal, you're talking to a designer or yeah. the business principal. And Cameron is that, but he's also the guy, you know, the, in, in terms of like, you know, the engineering and the, the watch making. And if, if you have detailed technical questions, you can talk to the guy. You have. Yeah. You, you know, you're not getting, you know, an, an email address in, in China. Info at. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> XYZwatchcompany.org. Right. Exactly. You know, so you, you know where pretty much, and Cameron's very transparent about where everything in the watch comes from. And, and not all not all of the watch industry is. Oh, I'd say the vast majority are not. Yeah. And um, So it's actually eye-opening to hear somebody tell you the, the real deal. Yeah. This was, for me, my kind of going with that particular watch was an a, just I would want to support Cameron, but also just an exercise in supporting as much as possible kind of the Made in America ethos for, for watches, even if it's, you know, not some, you know, high-end complicated movement. I don't care about that. I want something that's going to last 100 years. It's apples and oranges, but in some ways we've talked about Vermont before, and, you know, we're not going to get into, you know, how or why certain people appreciate them or don't. But the point was, what I was trying to make was, they're trying to do to British watchmaking which is at scale, right? Not not an atelier or sort of a very niche, independent, you know, craft watchmaker who's making, making a dozen watches. They're trying to do British watchmaking at scale. Yep. And I don't know that Cameron has, I'm not speaking for Cameron here, but I'm not saying he has the exact same designs, but I think there's some of the similar mind, mind, mind uh, you know, uh, the process there is doing some American watchmaking to some scale. Yeah. Right? We're not, he's not making 15 watches a year. The point is, there's ready stock. He's making as many of the parts as he can. He's going to make even more. At yes. some point, he's going to make everything besides probably jewels and hairsprings. Yeah, so he, um, if you follow him, Cam took delivery of a, a pretty significant... Just last week or two yeah, weeks ago, you know, right? piece of, yeah, capital infrastructure. And, you know, the machining... I Because so, the case on watches, I don't want to, again, speak for him or, or what have you, but I've talked to him in some detail, and I don't... You know, I won't name drop, but the, the cases are made for him locally to his spec. You know, he does quality control and final finish and all that stuff. But again, that's here in California. And that made sense when he was here in California. But, you know, now I think he's going to have control and the ability to produce with his own hands. Um, 
some additional, you know, uh, percentage of, you know, the content of that watch. And I think the case is a pretty, it's a big deal. That's a big one. That's yeah. That's a big one. When you think about it, the people that, that really get like down to the gnat's ass on, on details about where movement components and stuff are made, the, the going train of the watch is some of the, I mean, they're the tightest tolerances maybe, but um, they're these just itty bitty pieces that are, you know, just a generic wheel. It's just a question of like, okay, you know, the architecture and the, the geometry of how these things fit together and that sort of thing. And that's a big deal in terms of design. But how is making a, you know, a fourth wheel on, you know, my, my Speedmaster any less complicated, except that it's at slightly, maybe not slightly, um, but it's at maybe you know greater tolerances than a case, or a rotor, or a bridge, or you know any number of other components that are maybe less sexy, but every bit is important. I don't know. So kudos to Cam. Cam, yeah, if you're if amazing. you're listening, good for you. We want to have you back on. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot more to talk about. Those he's been busy. Company's been busy. You know. Which was still in LA, but I think part of the you know the move was of course you know for for business and you know family reasons, and, and this is you know bearing its fruit now. There's yeah, bigger space, more capital to use for things like this, and and uh, he's not wasting the opportunity. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, anyway, dude, um, I don't know. I'm thinking of other stuff that's come out or things that we want to comment on. We we had talked about the idea of maybe doing so you know this is going to be released in a week or two and at the at that point this will seem very dated but wrist cheese and whiskey and watches have both released rushmore episodes but we in all fairness that literally just came out we haven't been able to hear it so we have not been able to formulate our opinions to do our own you know sort of versions or response as a a rushmore episode but we will i think yeah, we definitely will. I think uh, Rishi's made a good point. I think, you know, for chronographs, I don't know if we could make a whole nother list. We'd have to use sort of a different set of criteria because at some point, you know, the sort of icons have been pretty clearly identified. Yeah, they picked some good ones. Oh, they did. They really did. And I haven't had a chance to listen through the, the Whiskey and Watches uh, episode yet. Um, but they took a different approach because I think they went toward a brand. If I understood right. So I haven't, I've only heard like the first 10 minutes that literally just came okay. out moments. It hit my phone moments before we sat down. Um, so I think the concept is great. I don't want to sort of take wrist cheese, uh, you know, format and sort of, you know, appropriate it on our side, but I think an, uh, a, a contribution to that idea is, is probably in order and yeah. we sort of support, you know, that, uh, sort of three, three podcast approach to a topic, which is a lot of fun. We love doing it. Yeah. Although I have to say, um, wrist cheese, bro, Schmidt, you guys messed up. You left money on the table. Neither of you picked a 5,100 powered watch. Really? <laughs> you would have called that out. Yeah. Not, not even as an honorable mention. No, no sin, easy M1, no, you know, to team, nothing. <laughs> I mean, Schmidt, dude, there's, there's good, like, you know, uh, center minute, chronographs from omega man i i'm slightly flabbergasted so i don't know if we possibly we could rectify that but suffice it to say that would be at the very least the sin easy m1 would be on my list on the rushmore uh mount rushmore i don't know what we'd call it in the firmament there you know with with those watches um but that's what makes this 
it's such a fun hobby, right? I mean, we can kind of poke fun at some of their choices. Although, to be to be fair, solid choices. Like oh, they, yeah. you know, I mean, nearly bulletproof. I mean, yeah, you might have you might have you know some qualms or personal preference sort of a reference that was different. But what's the old expression? Nobody got fired for buying IBM. <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah, yeah. You you, you drafted you know uh, MJ and LeBron. Okay, yeah, <laughs> good move. Anyhow, so dude, we're coming up on an hour here. It feels like we've just been talking for five minutes. It's just been um, riffing, you know. Yeah, uh, it's fun. Sometimes it's I, I love digging deep into our topics because it gives us something to, like homework to do and some research. And yeah, then people will send us their ideas or their comments, and you know, I love that part of it. But sometimes it's nice to just sit down and chop it up. Yeah, pour a beer and just chat about what's been going on, what's in store, and just stuff. Well, dude, you know, so. We it, it feels like just a minute ago, like I put us on glide path to finish this up, but I, I want to revisit something. Uh-oh. Did you? So you were not on the episode with Mike Stockton, correct? But one of the things that you and I talked about before, and then we brought this up with Mike. I'm curious um, if you want to talk a little bit about like the state of watch media and unpack that a little bit because we did touch on that. And Mike's an interesting figure because he's you know he's obviously you know involved in that. Um, you know, uh, his he's long associated, right, with Fratello. And Fratello is, to my way of thinking, is kind of right up there, you know, with maybe the big two or the big three outlets. Easily. You know. Um, Easily. And one of the things that we talked about is the fact that there seems to be, at least in a couple, at a couple of these outlets, there's a significant blurring of the lines between commentary and commerce. And, you know, Fratello... I don't know if that's they, they have sort of a, a more, more pure or a better, I'm making air quotes, you know, a, a better reputation by virtue of the fact that they're not very commercial. So it's kind of like a blog to watch. Whereas, you know, other outlets, and I'll just say it, like Hodinky, Worn and Wound, etc., are commercial. But Worn and Wound does not get nearly the shit that Hodinky does. And I'm... I'm just curious. I don't think we talked about that specifically, but I do want to ask you about that. Like, is it, do you think it's because of the, the dollar value of the stuff that Hodinkee talks about? I mean, it's, they're, they're frequently talking about watches that the civilian can't get, no matter what kind of income you make. It's, you, you and Mike did a nice job, and he has a perspective, I think, that is more informed than most. Yeah. Um, but also unique in a way, like, you know, we can all sit here and, and as consumers of content and, and sort of, you know, uh, participants in the watch hobby and, and the watch marketplace, right, for that matter, because they're they're in, intrinsically, you know, tied together, we still have valid, you know, well-informed opinions. Um, what you said was, there's a lot to unpack there. Worn and Wound does not catch as much flack as Hodiki. There's a lot of reasons for it, probably, in my opinion, whether my opinion is informed enough or not I don't know but part of it is Warner Wound seems probably a little bit tighter connected to sort of the micro brand scene right the wind up watch fair is very much oriented to independent slash and or micro brands I think that speaks to some people you know more authentically um, I without literally looking at their you know whatever last amount of several posts I don't think they cover, you know, the Patek releases to the degree that Hodinkee does and the Audemars releases to the extent that Hodinkee does. And so you're right, that point you made of sort of alienating a certain segment of folks probably clear. Shock um, the story. Yeah, you know, um, 
you, I think Mike said it, and, and, and or maybe the two of you sort of landed on this point. Hodinkee's sort of, for better, you know, or for worse, they're sort of the, the they're sort of the biggest player, and so you're you're inevitably going to receive more criticism when you're the biggest player. The Golden State Warriors are the best team over the last seven to ten years, right, or whatever you want to say. Inevitably, people are going to dislike them for that exact reason and find holes in what things that they do or point to their tactics and sort of try to, you know, um, tear them down to some degree. So when you reach a certain uh, level, a certain, you know, um, kind of degree, you're going to catch flack. Now that said, and I think you guys touched on it in the episode too, uh, they they put a lot of landmines down self-imposed, right? The travel clock that we just joked about that shares a, 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 a birthday with Brodinky. Was you know that's a rough one. I, you know how do you uh, you know maybe that they, is that was like the world's biggest like watch media reputational self own ever ever you yeah. know um, so uh, you know and some of this stuff actually we were talking about high snobiety earlier I think a, a, a few episodes well maybe it was more than a few episodes back we were sort of we did a, a sort of reaction counter reaction to an episode or an article that was posted from one of the maybe the editor in chief I think of that publication remember he had just picked up a, a new a oh new yes book. yeah I, I the points that he was making the comments we talked about all of it and it yep. was it was there was a lot on both sides a lot of it was super cringe a lot of it was like well people are just attacking them just because it seems easy to attack them there's a lot it's really multifaceted yeah and you know what these are people that are while they're relatively young in chronological age some of these the principles here are not unsophisticated individuals and to a certain extent, I mean, you could almost see somebody editing that story to garner, like, you know, the uh, the hate follows yeah. <laughs> and that kind of thing. I I think, you know, probably the the commentariat was harder on, the, on that guy and his post than they needed to be. But at the same time, I understand where all those folks are coming from. I personally, I like Hodinkee. Um, there's no getting around it as you say they're the 800 pound gorilla they are kind of the chief of the trailblazers in in our space in our and enthusiasm let me be clear too there's a few of the folks on there and i'm not going to name names but there's a few of the folks on there who i think are literally top of class sure the stuff they put out stories multimedia content is literally top of class when when it's good their content is the best yeah um I think, yeah, there, there's no getting around it. It does feel way more commercial. Yes. Uh, they have and, several lines of business. Yeah. They and have investors. They, yeah. have a, they have a bottom line. Yep. Fratello, I don't know their business model, so I'm not going to comment on it, but Fratello feels much more of the community. I think the contributors are oftentimes also sort of of the community, and I don't mean to delineate between those two outlets, but I think there's probably a clear difference on who's quote-unquote on staff, what that means, yeah. how, how that actually, the mechanizations of that. I don't know that to be true, but it, it feels true. Feels true. Okay, yeah. That's good I, mean, I, I think that there's some truth to that. I may be wrong. Um, you know, I think that the same thing is probably also true of Warren and Wound. Um, yeah. You know, there's, I don't know, there's probably the nature of the content at times is different as well. Um, but... You know, in general, I guess, you know, they're out front. They're going to suffer the slings and arrows. I they're also going to garner the praise, you know. Uh, it's like the quarterback. Quarterback is probably the most important position in football, right? But when the team wins, the quarterback's going to get all the adulation and praise. When the team loses, the quarterback's probably going to get all 
of the vitriol. And in some ways, that's sort of what it's like to be the leader of the pack. You know, you're going to get probably an exponential amount of sort of exposure and praise and sort of uh, uh, sort of broader appeal. Um, but then also when something kind of is a misstep or whatever, you're really going to catch the vitriol, particularly the enthusiast community. But it's just the nature of the beast. And, you know, it's... I'll say this about sort of... I think I like... For, I've, I've actually become... I've become more to appreciate Fratello over the course of the last several years as I understand sort of like what you and I just described and where I think their position is on things and how they present things. Um, and, uh, and I've also become to realize I know what I'm reading when I'm reading it. And so I think everybody, you know, probably should consider that too. Is, is what am I reading? Is this, is this true editorial? Is this an un uh, is this a, 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 a fully formed you know independent opinion? Is this a fluff piece? Is this a media piece? Is this something that's supporting the website shop? Is this something that was written? Just know what you're reading. Just know what you're reading. Yeah, I think that the important thing, yeah, is when you any of these bigger blog sites or consumer have, so have about just written form, but. have your big big boy or big girl pants on and Which just know on. yeah know know what it is that that you know you're looking at and if you do then suddenly everything makes a lot more sense you know and it's it's becomes i won't say more palatable but less unpalatable if that's right because i mean you know at, at some point i think there is a a saturation for commercialness yes that is maybe been reached you know with hodinky and i don't i don't think they can go too much further with it without losing people um but it's they still have really good content they do and, and at the, you know at the end of the day you know, it, it, it just kind of boils down to, you know, when your favorite band goes gets big, you're sort of, like, happy for them. Oh, and that's you're sort a, of pissed off. That's a great, perfect analogy. That's what's yeah. happening to the watch community, the watch hobby. Yeah, climber right? sold out, man. <laughs> sold out to the label, man. Yeah. <laughs> to the suits, you know? And it's like, um, okay, um, are you glad that more people are talking about watches? Yes or no? Maybe not. I don't know. Um, are they more accessible than they've ever been before? Uh, are there more great options than there probably ever was, you know, previously? Is up and down the price spectrum? This is what happens when your favorite band gets big, when they get their big major record label, when they're not playing the club, uh, the, the the nightclub down the street that you pack with thirty yep. to twenty, ten of your friends. They're playing arenas and they're playing sold out tours. That's what happens, and so. Do you still want to enjoy it or not? Yeah, suddenly they're not giving you the air fist bump from the lead guitarist, you know, in the, the, the club that holds 50 people anymore. It's As you say, it's a big arena. Hey, if that's a... Oh, that's such a good analogy, such a good way to think about it. If, if you're butthurt because your favorite blog is huge now, how do you sort of, you know, reconcile that? But that's maybe a good way to think about it. You know, it's... Every, at some point, you liked it because it's awesome. Now everybody knows it's awesome. You know, just accept it for what it is. It's it's all good. You can still call. You can still keep them in check, right? You know, I still like you too. Yeah, there you go. And you know what? Sometimes they put out a song that sucks, and you yeah. can say it. And you can say it out loud. That that, that never happens. No. That never happens. And when they when they incepted the iPhone, I forget what model that was, and I had the <laughs> that, that one U two album on my iPhone. Oh yeah. I don't know if I was a huge fan of that, but no, I didn't like that either. 
No, but I mean, I'm, that's this is more that's more me. Another way to say I'm really old. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess there's probably not too much more to say about that except you know if if you don't like the state of watch media and to a certain extent I don't. It does help to kind of remember, you know, that these are all people that had a dream. They were interested in watches. Not everybody came out of the womb like super corporate and in a suit, you know, and this is something that, you know, that these are people like kind of living the watch dream and, and if you, you know, just take people, it, just keep that in mind. Yeah. And if you want them, if you want people to fly across the world and interview people in Switzerland and produce original content in Asia, Southeast Asia and you want them to go. If you want to see Cole Pennington's kick ass videos. Somebody's got to pay for that. You, you said it out loud. My point exactly was: if you want to see kick-ass shit, it's got to get paid for somehow. Yeah. I'm not saying don't you know give them a free pass, give people a free pass to do anything, whether it's lame or cool. It just means that's the reality. Yeah. Everybody deals with it in their work day to day. Most people deal with this somewhere in their professional lives, their personal lives. Shit has to get paid for. Where is it coming from? Cole Pennington needs a Patreon. I would imagine he would do quite well with it. Yeah. Yeah, that actually, there's there's probably a lot of potential there. Um, anyhow, so dude, we're, we're, we've basically sat down to talk about nothing and have, you know, managed to, to you know, squeeze about 15 minutes into, into an hour, which is always fun, talking about watches and beers, and I think it's about time for another beer. So we can cut this short here. Do you have any final recommendations or notes or fun things that you've thought of or seen recently two things one is um the prehistoric planet series yep which is on apple tv or apple plus i don't know what they call it um, apple plus apple plus it's really good so i'm a huge david attenborough fan have been collecting the dvds since the, when when they were not even blu-rays yet i mean i would get those box sets life of mammals blue planet it i just think he is like the penultimate narrator of sort of this like epic nature docu-series he's the man yeah he's knighted so yeah I need it's, to know. it's good stuff i've seen the uh like the adverts or the trailers and they look really cool so the reason i brought it up was i was a little unsure because this is obviously is not footage they capture yeah right? it's it's, it's all cgi it's all cgi i was we know how good cgi can be right now it is really cool it's really fascinating uh, maybe take it with a grain of salt. No, they probably didn't know what color their skin was. How could they? They're going off of sort of, you know, the best amount of data that they have based on, you know, species and bone structure and current, whatever. It's just very cool. Sir David Attenborough rocks it as usual. Um, if you're a fan of any of those, you know, David Attenborough themed docuseries or nature docuseries in general, uh, I think you'll at least be entertained by it. Yeah. I'm going to have to check that out, and eventually I will, because I like that kind of thing as well. Yeah, it's great. Yep. Uh, and this one, I, I thought specifically of you. I saw the other day, maybe on like Rob Report or something, like you know, some ultra luxe publication. It doesn't matter. It was reported a few places. And you thought of me? No, but I saw the, the content did. Okay. Uh, Sotheby's is about to auction um, the Michael Schumacher Ferrari yeah. F300. Did you see this already? I, I So I didn't. Uh, read the details, but I saw the thumbnail of this. Okay, so you already know. Four, you won four times in that car in 98. Ended up not winning the series, the, if I understood correctly, if I remember my, my history correctly. I, You know what? I don't know who won in 98, because he had like six or seven, not quite on the trot. I think he had one or two in there that he didn't take. 
But I mean, certainly he was the dominant force coming from Benetton to Ferrari. That's right. And I think that was his highest performing car yeah. of his, you know... That that chassis. That chassis. That's yep. correct. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he might have... Uh... So anyway, that that's going up for auction um, this month. So the end of August, um, estimates are at $8 million. Sure, it'll exceed that the way the sort of marketplace is these days. Maybe Ben Clymer will buy it. It's up in Monterey. Maybe we'll just jump in the car and and uh, head up the coast. Dude, okay, we'll get Summer Eskimo involved. That's a that's a summer caper. Very much a summer caper. Yep, right on. Well, dude, for me, I've got a book, um, and I almost feel bad uh, recommending it because I haven't quite finished it yet. This is like summer pulp. It's not fiction. It's pseudo fiction. I don't know how to describe this. Um, it is. It is billed as real. I think it's heavily salted and flavored with stuff that's embellished and or fictional. But it's um, it's a book called Flying Naked. I like it already. The author is, and I don't know if this is a pseudonym or not. Um, I think it's real, but it's uh, Michael Blirio. It's, that would be spelled kind of like the, the there's a, a French pilot from, or airman, how about that, from a long time ago. Uh, B-L-E-R... IOT, and I'm pretty sure that's how they would pronounce it. Um, but this guy was, if you can kind of picture like early to mid 1990s, US Air Force, um, relatively young guy, new lieutenant flying um, tactical airlift in Southcom. So that's going to be basically everything south of the southern border of Mexico. So, like, think Panama, Peru, Colombia. Uh, Bolivia, Venezuela, before Venezuela went bad, um, all of that stuff immediately like post Noriega, but before 9-11. So in that era, and, you know, just the, the idea of sort of the swashbuckling backcountry jungle aviation and, you know, into, you know, dirt and mud strips in the Amazon and the Andes, and it's all very lighthearted and it's it's not a, a linear like prosaic kind of story it's a bunch of like vignettes and stories and anecdotes that are kind of woven together and there's a linear sort of through line through it you know on his tour down there he's flying the c27 spartan so if you if you're familiar with like the c130 this is like the baby version the two engine version and it's you know again tactical airlift in in you know central and south america and if you can kind of think of what all of the hijinks that a young bachelor officer in the military would get in with a bunch of his friends uh that that command would have been the there's an expression like if you're very far from the flagpole you know in the military if you're in some some command or some assignment where you're very far away from headquarters geographically not a lot of supervision probably not a lot of support um and there's a lot of things that can go wrong or a lot of, you know, weird stuff that can happen and funny things and stuff like that. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's a lot of kind of aviation hijinks. And it was funny. I started reading this book just a couple weeks ago, right before this, you know, again, this Cole Pennington caper, you know, another one of these watches in the wild where he's with Wings of Hope. And it, it's very much that kind of thing. You know, it's like, well, you know, the weather's bad. The runway's mud. Uh, well, it was repaved last year, but it's been undermined by rain. We can't get in there. There's a tree growing in the middle of the runway. You know, we have to land around it. Um, that kind of thing. And 
yeah, it's just an interesting story, a lot of fun, and it goes, it pairs well with this new watch that I can't really talk about. So this is, you know, people, you can't see this, but I'm, I'm holding this watch that I have that's kind of, it's got an interesting significance to what I've just been talking about, but I've always been interested in getting a DLC watch, but I didn't want to plump like two grand for a DLC SIN, you know, 857 or something like that. So when an opportunity to get a fun DLC kind of field tool watch came up, I jumped on it, but I've been asked not to talk about this one because it's got some interesting provenance. So maybe later, but it, it relates to that story and, and all of that stuff. That so, is, um, that's one of my more favorite and sort of immediately intriguing uh, recommendations that you've had recently. I, I will find my way into that book. Oh, yeah, and it, it reads like Pulp Fiction. You can pick this up, read 20 pages, put it down, come back a week later, you know, and, you know, read it again. It's, it's not, it's perfect like summer beach reading. Yeah. It's not heavy at all. Um, you know, it's just kind of fun. It helps to have a little bit of an aviation background or, you know, a military background, a little bit, but it's not not required. It'll, it'll make sense to everybody. And it's, it's pretty funny. It's just a bunch of, you know, life happening to some dude far away from home, you know, traipsing around Latin America, you know, doing something like 50% Indiana Jones, 50% U.S. Air Force. And, yeah, that's all. Love it. And I'll tell you, this, this is a fun episode. I think we hit on all things that are sort of pretty, pretty central. You know, we got some aviation talking. We obviously got some beer some watch kind of content media stuff, um, you know, Seikos and micro brands and watch straps. And this is really, this is kind of encapsulates, I think, what you and I hope to sort of even do, you know, 45 yeah. episodes ago or whatever it was. Yep. And yeah, we've had some great guests, Mike Stockton, um, Superdoc, RJ Kama has been on with us and we've got some good guests lined up in the next you know few months so just watch this space followers on the Instagram page which in grand scheme of things is pretty like whatever but I mean it's cool it's really yeah. cool you know for a, a watch podcast Instagram page yeah totally very cool you know um, we're, we've closed in, we're closing in on some, a couple big numbers on the stream you know the stream and download side on the podcast stuff so I guess a sort of a long winded way of saying thank you to everybody who just sort of follows along and interacts with us absolutely and maybe with that, we should have our last sip. I'll last give you sip. A, uh, a salute, a cheers. And I'll be watching the final episode of Better Call Saul last week. So if anybody's following along, go ahead and at me. There it goes. Take it easy, bud. Cheers. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to rate us on your podcast platform of choice. It really does help. You can find us on Instagram at Spirit of Time Podcast and contact us at spiritoftimepodcast at gmail.com. As always, please drink responsibly. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.